Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Let's pray together. Lord, we are more than conquerors through you because you loved us. And Lord, we confess that we only love you in return because you loved us first. We're so thankful. We're so thankful to have the privilege of being in relationship with you, being able to come boldly to your throne of grace through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that has washed away all of our sin. And so, Lord, as we turn to your word, which we believe is absolutely and unequivocally true, we pray that you would speak to our hearts by your Holy Spirit who is in this place. Transform us by the renewing of our minds so that when we leave this experience, we leave different, more like Jesus. For it's in his precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. Well, I have to be honest, as we continue in our Decided series, talking about those who have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back, today's story is weird. It just is what it is. This, I, I have, every time I come across this story, even to this day, I furrow my eyebrows because it is so odd. You're going to see a different different presentation of Jesus. You're going to see Jesus act differently from what you would expect, what you have come to expect, and um, you're going to see Jesus make you scratch your head just a little bit today. Now, through it all, we're going to see that Jesus obviously knew exactly what he was doing, and he was teaching this woman something and also teaching us something. So I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, we're going to begin at verse 21. If you're in the Red Pew Bible here in the room, that is page 821. But today we're going to learn what's going on when God seems distant and disconnected. Have you ever felt like God was distant and disconnected from you? Today, we're going to answer the question, how do we respond in faith even when it seems like God might not be paying attention to us? How do we respond in faith when it seems like God might even be against us? God's going to teach us those lessons today through the story of the Canaanite woman. That's all we know of her. She's a Canaanite woman. She's a Syrophoenician by birth. But the theme that we'll see today is this. The Canaanite woman decided to follow Jesus and her life was transformed. The Canaanite woman decided to follow Jesus, and her life was transformed. Matthew is a saved tax collector who writes as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit, beginning in chapter 15, verse 21, saying this, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Our first point today is this. The Canaanite woman followed Jesus to a new belief. The Canaanite woman followed Jesus to a new belief. Now let me paint this picture for you just a little bit. Jesus has finished his Galilean ministry. And he is going northwest toward the Mediterranean coast to the regions of Tyre and Sidon. If you went with me to the Holy Land, you may be asking, did we go to Tyre and Sidon? No, we did not, because they are in Lebanon right now, and Lebanon's not a place you want to be right now. 
So Jesus goes northwest from the Galilean region, and he is leaving the area in which the Jews live. He is going to Phoenicia. He is going to Gentile territory. Now, you know and I know that anytime Jesus goes anywhere, it's never by accident. He is going on purpose, with purpose. He is ushering in the kingdom of God, and he has gone to the Jewish people, and now he is going to among the Gentiles. Because not only would his light shine among the Jewish people, his light would shine brightly among all the nations. And aren't we glad that it does? And so Jesus goes specifically to Tyre and Sidon, a region that had frankly been talked about by prophets for centuries and never in a good way. You can go to Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and read what these men of God had to say about Tyre and Sidon, and it is not pleasant. These were centers of Baal worship, and these were centers of great materialism and people who were very proud of their wealth. They had everything they needed. They had their own gods. They had all the resources. If they needed resources, they could turn to their own gods whom they hoped would help them. And this is where Jesus went. In Mark's account of this story, we learn in Mark chapter 7, verse 26, the first part, now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth. And so what does that mean? Well, it tells us that she is a native of Phoenicia. She is not a Jewish transplant. This is a Gentile woman, thoroughly Gentile and immersed in this culture. Elijah had benefited from a woman from this region. How many of you remember the widow of Zarephath? That God commanded Elijah to go to this region where a widow would take care of him. Isn't it wonderful to know that our God is God not only of a certain people but of all people? And He can compel even those who don't serve Him to serve Him? I love our God. Well, this woman comes, and she comes to Jesus and begins by saying, O Lord. Now, you know and I know that in the Old Testament, anytime you see the word Lord in all capitals in your English Bible, that that is hearkening back to the most holy name of God, the Tetragrammaton, yod Hey vav Hey. That's where we get Yahweh. We don't think that's what she's saying here. She's not referencing the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She's just probably giving respect to Jesus because she needs help and she thinks he can help her. But then the next thing she says is pretty remarkable. Coming particularly from a Canaanite woman, a Syrophoenician woman, a Gentile woman, she says, O Lord, and then she ascribes to him the name Son of David. Now that's much more significant because what she is saying in calling him the son of David, one is that she's heard this, but she is joining in the chorus of those who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the one who would come from the line of David, the, the, the shoot out of the stump of Jesse. And so she speaks with faith about Jesus' identity. Oh, Lord, son of David. And then she says, my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. So here's this woman who, whether she knows it or not, is recognizing God's promise to Abraham that through Abraham and the Jewish people, all of the nations would be blessed. 
and she presents her problem to Jesus. What's her problem? Her daughter is severely oppressed by a demon, and she recognizes that Jesus might be able to help her. Now, here's what's interesting. She's just a couple of miles away from the temple to Eshmun. That's a pagan god of this region that had a Greek equivalent named Asclepius. And you may say, well, I don't know who Asclepius is. Sure you do. If you don't, just ask Dr. Jerry Martin. He wrote a book about the staff of Asclepius. You are very familiar with the staff of Asclepius, also known as the rod of Asclepius. If you have ever seen that emblem that is on an ambulance, that blue star, the star of life, in the middle of the blue star, there is a rod with a snake wrapped around it. That's the staff of Asclepius. And that was the symbol of this God. It is the symbol of the American Medical Association to this day. It is the symbol of the World Health Organization to this day. So Eshmun, this pagan god, whose Greek equivalent is Asclepius, was well known as the god of healing. Why didn't she just go to Eshmun? Well, maybe she had. Maybe she had tried. Maybe she had failed. Maybe Eshmoon didn't help her at all. Maybe she was still in need of salvation, in need of healing, in need of deliverance. So she goes to Jesus because Eshmoon didn't do the trick. Asclepius didn't help. I'll go to one who might be able to help, the son of David, who has come even to my region. Please help. Now, here's what's going on. This is where the story's going to get weird. In the next couple of verses, we are going to see Jesus respond in a way that we would not expect. If you haven't read ahead, you're going to kind of be shocked. But Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. He always does. And none of this is just flippant. None of this is careless. All of it is according to his sovereign plan. So now look with me at verses 23 and 24. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Our second point is this. The Canaanite woman followed Jesus through a test. That's what's going on here. Many years ago, Adrian Rogers, the pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church, said, a faith that has not been tested can't be trusted. Her faith is being tested. She comes saying, Jesus, son of David, help. My daughter is in need of help, and he doesn't say a word. What do you do when God seems distant? What do you do when God seems like he doesn't care? What do you do when the response you get from God seems to be, yeah, I'm not here to help you? And that's exactly what happened here. Jesus ignored her at first. He didn't respond. How cold and uncharacteristic of the one we've come to know and love so dearly. And then he says, I'm not here for you. I'm not here to help you. I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus' ministry was first to the Jews. You remember when he sent out the apostles right after he had named them. This is in Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 through 8. 
Matthew tells us that these 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. So Jesus is narrowing the ministry of the apostles, which is the extension of his ministry just to the, to the people of Israel. But you know, Jesus also said that there were other sheep who were not of that particular fold and that they would hear his voice too. In John chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus said, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. And so we say today that whether or not you were born ethnically Jewish, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of David, the Messiah of Almighty God, who died on an old rugged cross to pay in full the price for your sin, and who arose the third day declaring victory over, <clears throat> pardon me, over sin and death and hell and Satan, if you have repented of your sin and surrendered your life to Jesus Christ as Lord, you are a part of the one flock under the one shepherd whose name is Jesus. Simeon. Simeon had prophesied this before Jesus could even know as a baby when Mary and Joseph took him to present him into the temple. In Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 32, the Bible says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. God was going to work through Jesus to open the way of salvation unto all people, including a Canaanite Syrophoenician woman in the region of Tyre and Sidon, and including a bunch of people in Kentucky in the United States of America and all around the world to the ends of the earth. Simeon prophesied this, that he would be a light unto the Gentiles and a glory of his people, Israel. And so Jesus is now going and he is extending this ministry. And yet when the woman comes to him needing help, he doesn't answer. He ignores her and then says, I wasn't sent for you. We're going to learn from the perspective of hindsight that he was not saying no to her. He was testing her. How do we respond in faith even when it seems like God might not be paying any attention to us? Well, here's what we do. We persevere in prayer. We ask, we seek, we knock. And how many of you, when you knock on a door, knock like this? Nobody, right? We, re we repeat the prayer. We persist in prayer, trusting that even when it doesn't seem like it, when it doesn't feel like it, God hears us, 
because he told us he would. He listened to us. How do we respond when it seems like God might even be against us? Well, a couple things. Number one, the Bible says that we can live in a pattern that absolutely causes God to oppose us. For example, in James chapter 4, verse 6, the Bible says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So what do we do? Well, we first seek to ensure that we are not in sin because our sin will distance us from God. Our sin will will cause His opposition to be against us even though He loves us so very deeply. So what do we do? Well, we humble ourselves, and we approach Him humbly but boldly, presenting our requests to Him through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, and then trusting as we do that His peace that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Adrian Rogers said, A faith that hasn't been tested can't be trusted, and I bet if you've been following Jesus long enough, your faith has been tested a time or two. And if you're like me, you've come out of the other side of that test with a stronger faith, a faith that trusts Jesus even more than you did beforehand. Let's see how the woman responds. Look with me at verses 25 through 27. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Our third point, the Canaanite woman followed Jesus with persistence. The woman persisted. We don't know how long her daughter had been suffering. We don't know what steps she had taken prior to this to try to help her daughter. But one no wasn't going to turn her away. Have you ever been there? You ever been in a place where somebody you love is hurting and you're going to persist? She persisted. And so what does she do? She goes and she kneels before Jesus and she prays what has become my favorite prayer. I utter it a lot. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I want you to to hear the faith that is in those three little words. Lord, help me. In other words, I believe you can. And if you don't, I don't don't know what's going to happen. But I believe you are able. And I'm asking you to be willing Please help me. This is not like the prayer that's recorded in Mark chapter 9 of the Father who says, if you can do anything, she knows Jesus can do something. She says, help me. Jesus continues to act in a strange way. He said it's not right to take the bread, his message, the message of the kingdom of God, and take it away from the children, that would be the people of Israel, and throw it to the dogs. Now, that was a common word that the Jewish people used to describe Gentiles, Gentile dogs. Now, here's what's interesting. When the Jews described Gentiles as dogs, they used a word that was was very rough, you know, wild, scavenging animals that go about the city. Jesus didn't use that word. He used the word that, that you would use for a household pet. So it was a lot more gentle, but nevertheless, it was still dog. 
Now, listen, if you ever hear me talk to my dog, who is precious and useless, but she's pretty, you're going to wonder about me a little bit. She has a name. It's Theodosia. We call her Dosi. But she has about 4,000 other names as well. Doser the Doodle Dog and others of the like. I swore I'd never sleep with a dog, but I can't fall asleep very easily without her snuggling up next to me. Fell asleep last night, petting her little ears, and I stopped, and then she nudged me with her nose so I would keep going. So I kept petting. So Jesus uses a softer word, but it's still, still pretty rough. And this woman persists. You know, that's a pattern that Jesus has taught us in his word. In Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 13, his disciples had said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And after he gives them the Lord's prayer, he gives a parable. Listen to this. This is chapter 11, beginning with verse 5. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer him from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus uses a word here in this parable, impudence. Because of his impudence. That, that, that could mean rudeness. I mean, come on, man. It's midnight. I'm in bed. I, I'm not going to give you any bread. But he keeps asking. And Jesus tells us this parable so that we would do what? Keep asking. Sometimes, sometimes God makes us wait because He's teaching us how to persevere in prayer, how to continue trusting Him and following Him when we don't get what we want right away. So sometimes the answer is neither yes nor no, it's wait. I don't like that answer. I bet you don't either. But do you know that every time God makes us wait, He is strengthening our faith? He is causing us to persevere through difficulty and to continue pursuing Him. It's just like when you lift weights. You got to increase the weight. You got to add struggle. You have to increase resistance to grow. How does God grow us? Well, He allows us to face resistance, and we grow. This woman persists, Lord, help me. It's not right to take the bread and throw it to the dogs. But what does she say? Yes, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. In other words, what is she saying? Remember when Jesus had fed the 5,000 and when Jesus fed the 4,000? What were there afterwards? Leftovers. Our God is not a God of scarcity. He's a God of abundance. There were leftovers. This woman is expressing faith that Jesus, who is the son of David, of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 
He had enough even for a Syrophoenician woman like her. How does Jesus respond? Look with me at verse 28. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. That gives me goosebumps. Yeah, she went through a test. Yeah, this, this, this text still makes me furrow my eyebrows. Yeah, this is really weird. This seems so out of character for Jesus. But when we look from the, from the perspective of hindsight and see Jesus' kindness and goodness to her, and Jesus' kindness and goodness to us, even when we don't understand, we magnify Christ. In, in Mark's account, <laughs> This is Mark 7, 29 through 30. It says, And Jesus said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. So how did she respond to her persistent prayer? Uh, by faith. He said, Go home. She's okay now. And what did she do? She went home. She took him at his word because she knew he was able and he communicated to her that he was willing, and it was done. And how long did it take? So you know, you just never know what God's going to do. So what do we do? We believe. We persist in prayer. We trust that God is for us and not against us. And we continually look to Jesus, who is able to do everything. Would you pray with me? Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270-842-0331.